Extra. Today on the podcast, you're going to be hearing some post-match reaction from Kilkenny versus Cork. Also, some post-match from Kilkenny Miners' victory over Dublin in the Camogie. We also caught up with Mikey Drennan about Jack Grealish's move to Manchester City. Mikey would have played with Jack in Irish underage levels and with Aston Villa. Pat O'Flynn joins us to talk all things Bordena Og Championship and also Eddie Scally, the man, the myth, the legend himself, talking about ticket allocation in the GEA. First up, here's the post-match from Kilkenny versus Cork. Brian Cody, Kilkenny manager, hard luck today, but your team gave it absolutely everything. Yeah, for sure they did, yeah. Like, um, obviously brought it to extra time and could have been gone in normal time, but kept fighting and brought it to extra time. And unfortunately, um, we, didn't, it didn't, we didn't finish off the job. What was the difference in the end? Uh, goals. Goals make a difference in the end. Our goal brought us back into the game. Then their goal gave them that bit of breathing space, that bit of freedom to move the ball around with confidence and to keep tapping over the points that kept that, um, that gap between us. Hard luck today. Dermot O'Sullivan, part of the Cork management team. How do you feel right now? Ah, pleased. Um, you know, our objective was come up to try and qualify for an All-Ireland final. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. So, look, we're pleased. we're pleased with our performance. We're pleased with our win. What were you thinking when Mullen got that goal? Were you thinking, God, have we blown this? Or what was going through your mind? Yeah, look, I suppose we'd gone six up. They'd gone six up. You know, we, we, it, was, it was a game incredible, you know, from both sets, both sets of players. The effort, the commitment, the scoring, the, the physicality, everything you would expect with a Carton Kilkenny game was laid was laid bare um, to everyone there over the last what ninety minutes plus. Um, they had their swing, we had our swing, but I think great credit due to our lads. They showed fierce resolve. That could have finished us, you know. Um, that goal at the death. A lot of teams could come out and just crumble, but you know, I think we. we We've been asking this team to be different and show character, um, and I think we got different for, for the last 20 minutes. Did you show physical strength today as well as speed and as well as skill? Is that something that you showed today that perhaps wasn't there the last couple of years? Is that the difference? Is it a difference um, when you say physical? We were definitely physically fitter. Yeah. Um, in the physical contest at times, Kilkenny were stronger than us. But look, I think what was key for us was the key to... When, when the game opened up to move the ball away from the exchanges as fast as we could and use our legs. Shane Kingston came off the bench made a huge in, impact. Alan Cadigan, the same. Yeah, but that was, that's, that's why we were subs. That's, why we, that's what we expect. Um, you know, we, we have 11 other guys at home as well who are, who are very, very disappointed didn't get an opportunity to come to train today. So look, yeah, we, we take it for what it's worth. Um, it worked today. It's not necessarily going to work the next day. You know, we're comfortable on the ball. We have comfortable runners with the ball. There's, you know, there's, there's no hiding away from it. We can't hide what we have. You know, it, it, it was, again, it was like the, the game. It was laid bare in front of everyone today and the second biggest day of the year. So, look, we're delighted that, that it shone through at times. Kilkenny stifled us. They made it very, very hard for us, for our runners, to break the tackles. But, you know, we stuck with it. And there was great perseverance and, um, you know, calmness about our lads when we're finding them, ourselves in them situations. So, very pleasing. And finally, it's Limerick in the All-Ireland final. You must be really looking forward to that. It's, it's going to be some challenge, some game. Look, if you're to look at Everton over the last couple of days and the last 24 hours, Kilkenny's name is etched in the trophy. So, or Limerick's name is etched in the trophy. So we're coming up to make up the numbers, you know. Will that be a motivator? Will that be a driving force, the fact that Limerick is so hotly fancied? Absolutely not. We'll, we'll go about our own business quietly. Next up now is Kilkenny Minor Camogie manager Mike Wall after their victory over Dublin. Mick Wall, I suppose, job done. Good victory over Wexford in the Minor All-Ireland Championship last round game there, 213 to 1-7 victory. I suppose overall you're happy enough, but uh, after the start of the day with having to change the team around for different circumstances, it was a good result. Ah yeah, look, it was a good result. It was a very professional result. Like there, look, that's what happens. Plans get disrupted, um, but like we have a good panel, and that showed it today. Like you know, we've we've been saying it all the time that we've had a really good panel. So we're look, we're delighted with today. Um, to come down, look, we would have taken one point today, but come down here and win by nine, we're delighted. Well, I suppose after last week's result against Waterford, you kind of had to win to top the table. A draw would have done Wexford to qualify. So overall, you must be happy now that you are qualifying as group winners. Ah yeah, look, we were very good. Yeah, like you know. There was a you know, listening to people last week, there was an awful lot made of drawn against Warford. I'm gonna say it here, that's a very, very
very good Waterford team. It's a very well-drilled Waterford team. They're not very nice to play against. Um, they're well-coached, and I think they'll have a big say in the quarterfinals. Well, we could be going into the quarterfinals too, but I know they definitely are, and they'll have a big say in, what, in what, where the, the, the cup comes. Yeah, uh, first 15 minutes, I suppose, looking at the game, you went out and you really blitzed Wexford. You really tore into him from the start. Wexford, I suppose, didn't know what hit him. What a fantastic start. You must be disappointed enough in the second half, only seven points, though. Something to work on, though, for the next day. Ah, yeah, look, Mark, the water breaks. Like, <laughs> a man more. Uh, do you agree with them? Should they go? Uh, they should go. Like, they should go. Like, and, and again, no. That's a very good Wexford team. Two years ago, in this, in this grade, when, this, when these bun, bunch of girls were under 16, they got to the All Ireland semi final. That's a really good Wexford team. Um, but. Yeah, the, the water break, it killed her momentum. Michael Dignan spoke about it yesterday. Um, it's shown to kill momentum. Um, it didn't do us any favours. But you know what? It toughens us up. They're probably here to stay for this year, so we'll have to make do with them. Yeah, your forward line are outstanding. And we were just commenting on it on the commentary there earlier on. Emma Minogue, as much as she didn't score, her work rate today was absolutely fantastic. And we mentioned that, that the work rate of all the forwards, they're hooking, they're hassling, and especially the full forward line. Like Sierra Barco scored three points from play. Uh, and Emma Shorsell, who was fantastic all day as well, got 1 3. That was only the full forward line. And Amy Cliffordshire was 1 5. You must be happy overall. Ah, yeah, look, look, that's the, that, that's the thing that an awful lot of people don't see. Like the work rate, it's something we've worked on hard over the year. Uh, again, to hold Wexford to one seven, we're very happy. They scored two eleven uh, against against uh, Waterford. There was two nine of that from play, so we knew that Waterford could play, uh, or sorry, that Wexford could play. Um, the the work rate, like that's why they're in there. You know, they're we're not a very big team, but what they what they lack lack in stature, they definitely make up for an attitude and work rate. So we couldn't ask any more. And to be fair, I thought the backs down here. You know, there weren't many chances. Alison came in, I thought, done a, done a very, very, very steady job when she was only called on. Um, apart from one or two balls that dropped in on her, and obviously the goal, which was unstoppable, she couldn't stop that. I thought, you know, the, the, the backs really protected her. And uh, so overall, we're happy. No, the goal with Amy O'Connor, they moved her up just after half time as well, caused a few problems. I suppose you're disappointed in the way that there wasn't really a challenge put in on Aoife when she was going up for the goal. As you said, Alison couldn't do anything about it, but maybe one of the girls could have got a, a chance in. Were you disappointed enough that there was no tackle? Do you know what, Martin? It's actually a picture, it's nearly a picture perfect image of what happened with the goal last week. Do you know, um, we, we didn't pick up the, run, the runner coming from the middle. Um, yeah, look. It's okay. Um, another day that'll that, that'll suffer. Last week it cost us. Well, that wasn't what cost us last week, but you know it didn't help things last week. But uh, no, it's something that we will look we, we will look at. But look, one seven overall. If you told me today, take your chances, take a lucky bag. They are only going to score one seven. Will you win? I would have taken it. The passage of play in the second half. Ball goes down. Emma Shortle nearly scores the goal. Marie O'Brien or Marie O'Dowd from Wexford clears it off the line. Wexford go down the far side of the field. Typical. It's nearly Murphy's law. They win a penalty down there. I suppose your heart was in your mouth at that stage. Yeah, that could have. Yeah, that could have changed the whole the, the whole the whole complexion of the game uh, if that had gone in. No. We would have ever every faith in Alison to save it. Uh, she's an excellent shot stopper, so it was going to have to be something special to to, to pass her. But yeah, like again, that was we look. We we'll be as honest as we can. We left an awful lot of scores behind us in the first half alone when we were driving on. I think we went two four and then we just stopped. Well, obviously then the water break and after that we drove a few silly wides. We overplayed a lot of us. There was probably more shots that we should have taken on where that you know was just taking that pass one little bit too much. But look, that'll come. That'll come. And um, look, we've we've two weeks now or three weeks to get ready for it. So um, they're back to their clubs. I think this week uh, for minor championship and then we get back in Friday night yeah back to the knockout stages that was the aim all year to make sure he got out of the group get to the knockout stages job done for now do you think that having him at the clubs is important though to keep the momentum going we've seen it with Watford and Limerick yesterday that sometimes Limerick were maybe slow to start a small little bit because of the break Waterford were that bit out of the blocks that small bit quicker because they were keeping going okay they might have run out of legs but at least the girls are continuing to play with their clubs as well yeah look Martin we look we were kind of there was a lot of other there was a lot of county teams and we were probably hit more so than ever because or more than anybody else because the, the girls play minor they're playing minor with their club they're playing adults with the club some of them are playing junior and senior or junior intermediate with the club um, it's something that I don't really have 
a major issue with at the moment. There was weeks now that we we decided that we wouldn't train or we cancelled one of our trainings um, because there was they were doing so much with the clubs. So I thought our girls there today, I thought they looked fresh. Um, I thought the, the work rate was still as much in the last 5-10 minutes as it was at the start of the game and I think that does come back to being with the clubs I do think it's important I think at this age group it's probably different for senior and intermediate level uh, and it's great to have them two teams in the knockout stages as well but um, it's probably different on them because there's so much of a demand on it but um, no listen look with something we'd embrace as long as they come back all healthy to his next Friday night that's the main thing well, as we said, the air through to the knockout stages. We don't know who that's going to be yet. It'll probably be known during the week. But anyway, a couple of weeks to prepare for it. But best of luck now in the knockout. And just to, just to let us know, just on behalf of myself and all the girls, just that um, you know, we're thinking of all the girls that couldn't make it there today. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing them soon. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mark. Pat O'Flynn came in to talk all things Borden Og and also Carlo under 20 hurling. Got a home draw against James Stevens. That'll be an all city clash in the quarter final of the, the minor A championship, and there'll be some talent on show on that. And then we have probably the two big guns in a minor A hurling clash in the other quarter final. New Ireland of Gorn being managed by Charlie Carter this year, going up against uh, the Dixford Dream team, shall we call them, with Harry Shine et al. who are causing havoc at the moment on the inter county scene. So that game will be in Gorn. I would say that will be an absolute sellout. Uh, you're going to see some unbelievable talent on both sides playing in that match from Killian Carey and Sean Fitzpatrick for the likes of Gorn and of course Harry Shine for, for Dixborough that meant then Tuller and Ross Burkham got a buy into the county semi-final and they'll take on last year's under 15 B county champion Bennett's Bridge so that means there's going to be definitely a countryside in the Ryan A county final I know the Bennett's Bridge had been in uh, an A county final when they won it a few years ago Tuller I'm not so sure Shane on that but again, that will be a really exciting tie. That game will be at a neutral venue. And then you have the winners of O'Loughlin Gales and James Stevens taking on Young Ireland or Dixborough in the other semi-final. So again, high-octane action in that game there. Uh, and, and a lot of people will be looking forward to those games in, in the A. Ryan B in the minor. Uh, some sharks, shall we say, are sitting down there. Some very good teams are down there. Greg Ballycallan, who has a lot of uh, involvement in the, in the Kilkenny minor setup this year. Uh, I think Aaron McAvoy will be one of their key players, even though he's quite young. He's some hurler. You have Kilmacow, who won the minor C, I think it was in 2019. But an awful lot of that under 15 team would have been under 15 at the time, Shane. So again, expect them to make wheels. St. Martins, of course, my own clubs, uh, they have topped their group in the minor league. They'll be expect they'll be, have gotten a very tough draw in the first round of playing Clara, who won the under 13 B title four years ago. So that'll be a tough draw. You have Moonkine against Dunhamagan in an all-South derby. The prelim, Thomastown versus Greg Ballycallan. Two years ago, I think Thomastown were in the under-15A county final. Greg Ballycallan, of course, as I was saying, was backed up by a lot of good talent. You have Tullerone with Garrod Dunn against Kilmacow. That game in Tullerone, that'll attract a big crowd. Uh, huge enthusiasm for that. You have Glenmore against Pilltown. Again, another all-South clash. The Roar and against the Emeralds. Now, the Emeralds have been probably the unluckiest side in underage hurling in Kilkenny in the last few years. They have a, a, a huge amount of talent out there. You have Casper Wasnacki, you have uh, Dara Quealy, uh, you have Alex Burke, some savage talent out there, and they'll be they'll be hoping to be able to go one better this year. Uh, you have Fenians then are going to play the winners of Thomastown, Greg Valley Calling, if the likes of Billy Garrett playing for Fenians. So that will be no simple task for the winner of, of Thomastown, Greg Valley Calling. And the final game, the first round, is Aaron Zone against Mullinavat. And then in the Ryan C Championship, uh, again, some exciting draws in that. Probably the pick of the bunch is Barrow Rangers against John Locke. Uh, both sides will fancy their chances in that game, while Sixborough B against Ballyhale Shamrocks. Ballyhale Shamrocks will be quite young, but again, they will be strong. And then in the quarterfinal, probably the pick of the draw there will be the winners of Barrow Rangers against John Locke versus St. Patrick. St. Patrick's are kind of uh, have an awful lot of talent at under 15 and under 14 level and have some strong players at 16 years of age. Uh, you know, looking down through the development squads, I think Bally Ragged had nine lads involved in the development squads over the last couple of weeks. So again, watch out for them. They'll be strong. And of course, Kerry Chuck, who played Connie Shamrock in that first round, won the under-13 B County title a couple of weeks ago from last year. They'll have an awful lot of talent uh, participating in, in that. 
So, Shane, on to the under-15, again, GA Championship. Uh, O'Loughlin Gales against Young Ireland. A lot of guys will be watching out for that. And then probably the most mouth-watering crash or draw that could have been. Last, the under-13A champions from two years ago, James Stevens will take on the mighty Arizona from two years ago. Uh, they played each other in a league match a couple of weeks ago out in Aaron's own. I think it was 3-14 to 3-8 was the final score. I know Comer are going to be um, a little sneaky fancy for that match. But again, James Stevens have won all before them uh, with the likes of Liam Smith managing them this year. Not only will they be looking to win the county title, they'll be also looking to win the Fela title as well. Uh, Dixborough will play the winners of that game. And uh, Carrick Shock, last year's under-13B champions, will be playing the winners of O'Loughlin Gales and Young Ireland. In Ryan B in the in the uh Ryan B League, in Duggan Steel and Ryan B League, or sorry, Championship, uh Ronish Stegan and Lactons will play each other in the first round of the championship. Uh, and in the other games of North, a Clare and St. Martin's can pull each other in the draw. So in the space of uh, the first and the sixth of September they'll be clashing both at minor and under fifteen level. You have Greg Valley Callum taking on Tuller Ross Burkham. Tyler Ross Burkham got to the minor or to the under 13 B county final last year or the semi-final last year got to the league final where they defeated Greg Bally Callan so again that'll be a tight match and probably the all-south derby that's the last bottom of the draw Thomastown versus Dunhamagan Munkine against Pilltown watch out for those games plenty of talent on show if somebody was to make me pick a winner of that under 15 B Dunhamagan stand out as a mighty, mighty force in that championship, backed up by a number of players who are currently participating in Kilkenny Development Squads. Uh, 19 teams participate in the Ryan C Championship. Fair play, there's a number of clubs that are entering second teams into it, which is brilliant to see. Pilltown, St. Martin, Young Ireland, O'Loughlin's B, James Chandops, uh, Dixborough B. It's absolutely brilliant to see so many sides in that. Of course, the village have their B team in uh, Ryan B due to the way they performed two years ago. Uh, Dixborough B, County and Rail Yard, Fenians versus Ballyhell Shamrocks, and Pilltown B versus Blackburn Whites for first round games. Uh, probably the game to note is Emeralds versus Mullen of Bat, and is Downey versus Kilmacow in the first round proper game. And that brings us nicely along to probably the most competitive under 13 Ryan A we've seen in years. Dixborough against Ballyhell Shamrocks. Uh, this is a 50 50 match. I wouldn't like to predict who would win this. Bally Hale are coming with a very, very strong bunch of players. Uh, you know, the conveyor belt is well and truly alive down in Bally Hale. Whatever they put in the water down there, Shane, there's no shortage of attacking talent coming through. Uh, watch out for the name of Jake Mullen and Killian Ryan, two guys that have blazed a trail in the under-13 league. Uh, will take on Dixborough. And Aaron's own against James Stevens. The village men will be going out to Aaron's own. That game will be a tight one as well. Uh, the winners of the Dixborough Bally Hale game take on a Lachlan Gales, and then Aaron's owner of the village will take on John Locks. John Locks, again, another progressive club, and fairness to them are performing really well up in Ryan A. They were top in the league at one stage, um, so Shane, that could go to absolutely anyone. Of course, Bally Callum won it a few years ago, James Stevens has won the last two, Dixborough have been knocking there or thereabouts, so again, that under 13A is really, really exciting and one that an awful lot of uh, the purest of the game love going watch hurling uh, of unbridled joy. Uh, in the Ryan A1, you have Piltown against Bally Callan, you have Ireland against James Ford, Munkine against Bullamagna in an all-south clash. That's a game to watch out for. Again, some very exciting talent there. Uh, Munkine and Bullamagna have been doing huge work at underage level and have been there or thereabouts for Ryan B and Ryan A titles in the last number of years. And Thomastown against the Roar and Steve, near neighbours, fierce rivals again. That'll be some match to watch in the quarterfinals of the Ryan A1 Championship. Uh, there's 1 1 round 1 in the under 13 Ryan B Dublin Steel Championship. James Stevens, uh, B versus Glen Moore. The winners of that take on St. Martin's who have a home draw. Carrick Shock, last year's Ryan B champions, of course, they're promoted at under 15 level due to that. Take on Tuller or Ross Birkin in the quarterfinal, who they defeated in a county semi final. A lot of. Uh, Tuller men will be hoping for to gain revenge in that match. Galmai Wingap versus Liz Downey. Again, two sides put in huge work at underage level. And then St. Patrick's. My tip to win that under 13 Ryan B Championship against Dixborough B. Uh, those games uh, the 1st of September, I think it is, Shane. And then we have the under 13 Ryan C uh, Championship. You have first round games as well. Lachlan Gales B versus Greg Lamana. Sleeve Roo versus Mullinavat. Connie Shamrocks versus Clara. 
and all those draws will be going up on the website with Emeralds versus Tullerone in the first quarter final, St. Lactans versus the winners of Connie Clara, Barra Rangers versus Kilmacow, and then O'Loch and Gales B or Greg Amana versus Cleve Rue or Munlevat. Final competition, Shane, and we're nearly through them all. Uh, <laughs> and in fairness, I think a, a big a big shout out to uh, to Willie Dempsey, chairman of the Board of Nog, John Byrne, vice chairman of the Board of Nog, and also the chairperson of the fixtures committee, Mary Fitzgerald, the shy uh, but hard working secretary of the Board of Nog, and John O'Reed, who conducted the draw last night in Nolan Park in front of thirty odd people. It's great to see all the clubs nearly represented at it. Is the under thirteen ranked right, thirteen aside? There's fifteen teams in France. Big thank you to the the ten teams that have entered C and B teams into this. It's great to see that they're giving every child in Kenny a chance to pull under club jersey. They love it, and uh, if you ever go to any of these games, Shane, the effort that goes into these is, is just beyond uh, beyond doubt. So it is. So the first round games: Piltdown B versus the Bridge, against Fort B versus Aaron's Own B, Barra Rangers B versus Roarnish Steeg B, Munkine B versus James Stephen C, Clonine Railard versus. John Locks B, St. Martin's B versus Dixborough C and Blacks and Whites versus Young Ireland. So, Shane, huge amount of games to look forward to. Uh, it's like a big, big start of club underage games from the 1st of September. We obviously have the, the National Hurling Fela on the 21st of August as well, the day before the All-Ireland Final, where we hope and pray that Brian Cody and the boys will be playing on the following day in the All-Ireland Final in Crow Park. And the following weekend, then, we have the Football Fela as well. And, huge amount of games and then the under 13 under 15 and under 17 championships kick off and it's like it's like Christmas Day so it isn't pick any so it is all those games playing so often during the during the the, uh, during the period of September Yeah it's absolutely fantastic to hear just even the logistics of yesterday when you're up in Nolan Park doing the draw it sounds uh, sounds like it's some buzz there's some buzz around Kilkenny GEA in general are you going up to the game tomorrow yourself? I am, I am Shane, wouldn't miss it for the world so I wouldn't uh, I, I, although I would say if my doctor ever looked at me heart rates during the old matches he might ban me from going to it <laughs> I, 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 I guess heart and mouth stuff uh, I think for the Western Mart I was close to having a seizure a couple of times uh, to all the grand just any team will put you through the ringer uh, they work so so hard and uh, yeah I, I, I think they're actually very underrated I think um, a lot of uh, pundits and people outside the county don't realise how hard these players work and how good they are. And uh, I think that's the rock, hopefully Cork and, and the rest of the county teams are left with Irish on. Uh, going back to county teams as well, the uh, under-20s that you're managing, Carlo under-20s unfortunately went out to uh, Kildare, a late Dolan point kind of sealed that for them. How is uh, everything within the camp anyway after that game? We were talking to Jim Bulger there recently and there still seems to be a lot of positivity despite Carlo GEA's uh, inter-county season in general. Yeah, well look, in, in, in fairness Shane, um, like, you know... Like as Jim, when Jim and myself sat down virtually in in February to kind of assess the year ahead, like that side had lost to Kildare, uh, I think it was by thirteen or fourteen points three years ago at minor level, um, and like you know, like in fairness, anyone who's at the match it was a hugely exciting game. I think I, I spoke to some of the colleagues, your colleagues in the press afterwards, and I said we were really disappointed because we reckoned that we could take on Wexford the following weekend, and lo and behold. Claire did go out and beat Wexford, so at least it, it, it just meant that I wasn't talking airy fairy stuff. There's a hugely talented bunch there, uh, but unfortunately for us, like we hit the front, we've been playing some exceptional hurling, and you know, uh, like to lose players of the caliber of Kieran Kavanagh before the game and to lose on Ozzy during the game, like it's it's you know it's it's that's probably the difference between a a Carlo and and you know a Kilkenny is. You know, we have we have marquee players at underage level, but we probably don't have, you know, the extra talent. You know, as in to lose senior hurlers. First of all, for Carlo, it was probably unusual to have so many senior hurlers involved in the under twenty setup, which is hugely positive for the future going forward. Uh, but then to lose in injuries as the game went on, it, it just you know, like Kieran Kavanagh last year was huge for us. I think it was one eight or one ninety or eight or nine points he got against Leash in the championship the year before against against Antrim an awfully key key player and he's going to have a huge and bright future for Carlo Owen Hosey is just absolutely immense uh, by all accounts his performance last night for for um, Michael or sorry Nave Owen against Bagnallstown was, was, was massive so like there's huge talent there you have Connor Kyo as well 
big, big talent. Uh, if you put him in a black and amber jersey, lads would be waxing on with, lyrically about him. Huge talent, uh, you know. And then there's some lesser lights on it, or maybe uh, that's disrespectful in one sense. What I mean is their names wouldn't be known as much. Like Kieran Abbey is extraordinarily unlucky, Shane. He's playing for a club where the likes of Brian Tracy is playing a current rising all-star or Joe McDonough Cup all-star. Kieran Abbey, probably, I would say, without doubt, was the best under-20 hurling goalkeeper on display this year. And all the games I've, I've watched since wouldn't change my mind on it. Niall Bulger, an exceptional talent. Um, oh, you know, Jack McCullough, an exceptional talent again. Had a huge game last night for Carlo. Jake Doyle, 17 years of age, stepped into the breach in Kieran Gavin's absence. Landed up for five or six points against Kildare. Like, you know, the hurling is there. More importantly, the heart is there. And those young lads love playing for Carlo. Like, the amount of times, because of the injuries the senior hurlers had, when you get the phone call off Tom Mullally or Christy Keeley saying, look, Paddle, we're down one, we're down two, uh, their injuries aren't coming right. You know, Paul Kelly has just said, might be better off to leave them alone tomorrow morning. And you'd ring a lad at nine, ten o'clock in the evening to say, can you make training tomorrow morning in Fenna? And they might be only after training with the under-20s, and they love it. They get a buzz from going into the likes of Mouse and John Nolan and John Michael Nolan and... And, you know, Kieran Whelan and these guys. So, like, the future for Carlo Hurland is very bright. Yes, there was no trophies this year. Yes, we didn't get out of the first round of the championship. But if you look at the progress that has been made, and in fairness to, to Christy and Tom as well with the senior settle, the amount of younger players that they've, they've introduced, on top of the fact, like, I think the only injury the Carlo senior hurlers didn't get this year was stigmatic because, by God, the amount of injuries <laughs> they had this year shared. Like, Mouse, Kieran Whelan, before a ball was tucked in in the warm-up against Wicklow, Kieran Whelan, like, uh, you know, you know, for people who haven't seen Kieran Whelan hurl, when this man comes back next year, he is just a gifted, gifted clutch hurler. And like, you know, down mouse, down him, uh, Eddie Byrne as well, I, I don't think quite made it back uh, for the latter stages of the championship. You know, he's a big game player. Dermot Burns, I, I know, stood away from the panel during the year due, due to work commitments, I think it was. Like, they're serious hurlers, so they are. And in fairness to Jim, Jim has a plan within Carlo. And it's, it's, you know, he has a vision. He's starting to put the structures in place. And as you well know, Shane, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. But, like, you know, like, Carlo has still to be second to none. And, you know, the likes of Eddie Byrne, who's who's put the structures in place, and the likes of Fenna is, is brilliant. The link-up with Carlo IT is brilliant as well, in the sense that, like, to Jim, like we've probably at our disposal as an inter-county team, when COVID restrictions allow better facilities than any inter-county side in the country because of Carlo IT. So like, you know, the, the facilities are there, the heart is there, the talent is there. Just, you know, we must have drove over a sack of black cats at some stage during the year with, with, with the amount of things that just, just went a little bit awry and I think I think an awful lot of those guys that start that championship game across in the under twenty, a lot of them have played senior intercounty hurling. A lot more will, and in time, you'll see a lot of those players lifting trophies in Crow Park. Mikey Drennan joined us in studio on Saturday to discuss Jack Grealish's move to Manchester City. been a great servant to Villa like he's a Villa supporter it's um, I suppose like that's that's his club like um, but sure, look being honest they're not going to win Champions Leagues they're not going to win Premier Leagues as of now so I think it's a good time for him to to move along and especially at the level he's at like he's every year he's just getting better and better and his confidence is sky high like and look you can't say no to Pep Guardiola and, and Man City so Look, it's a, it's a, it was a tough one for him, I'd say, to leave. But look, it's at the end of the day, like he wants to go and win trophies. I remember when uh, Aston Villa were down in the Championship, and there was talks of him going to Spurs for like thirty million, and that at the time that seemed astronomical for Jack, who was somewhat unproven in a Premiership capacity. But just like from you knowing him, his ambition as a Villa supporter would have been to play for Villa the dream would have been to play for uh, captain 
Aston Villa. Um, was the dream to go on then? And like, did he have the massive aspirations of the Champions League, of the Premiership then from a young age? Did he have, not saying a big ego or a big head, but did he have that drive that that's what he wanted to do? And so it would always be on the cusp of his mind saying, maybe it would I will have to leave Birmingham. Yeah, probably. Um, well, I suppose like for me knowing him like personally and that and, and playing with him, you could see he was always everyone. Everyone said it. No, he always said, "Oh, he'll go to the top." But everyone said he he'll go to he'll go right to the top. And look, he's there now. But I suppose the big thing is now for him is can he produce now on the massive stages? He he did it there in the Euros um, when he came on and when he was needed. So, but look, this is a, this is a big challenge for him now. Big price tag. <laughs> you can see some of the players falling by. Don't this will phase him whatsoever. He's a he's a lad that's portrayed by the media as a probably a bit of a, a messer and he's but he's not he's probably the complete opposite like he's I remember like I texted him there a few months ago just to ask him and say would you, would you mind saving over a few jerseys for for someone that lo- um that lost their father that was a massive Villa supporter and said text me back no problem yet no problem what's the address all that stuff sent it over no no bother like he from players that have played with him and like to be fair I was close I was close enough from when I was over there but when if it's any other players that was there for a year or two and they'd ask him for something, I'd know that, that he's not one of these big lads that he'll forget about you. He'll always remember his roots, which is, well, is, that's, which like, is that's like a Birmingham thing, though, because Birmingham's very working class as well, isn't it? So, yeah. like, you know, that's probably... You, you don't forget the people that you, you've come up with or anything like that. £100 million is a big price tag, though. But at the same time, we were looking at his stats here last week, matching Kevin De Bruyne's stats in, in pretty much every every respect. Uh, there's probably a bit of English tax on there. Now, if he hadn't declared for England, yeah, may, never know. <laughs> but, like, uh, it's, it, it's interesting that you said that he'll be unfazed by the situation because, like, we know that the... And I've slated them quite a bit, especially on the lead-up to the Euros. The English media can be absolute hounds to people who don't live up to the price tag or or have are kind of slow to get into the groove of things but with his proven Premier League experience no doubt he's going to be able to hit the ground running oh, without a doubt like you have the players that are around him that can only make him better and he'll make them better as well because of like you can see Kevin Durant loves him and that's he's what probably the best player in the world apart from probably Messi Ronaldo he's definitely up there definitely in the top five someone's saying that praise so imagine him playing with the likes of um Say Sterling, if he stays, you have De Bruyne there, you have Phil Foden, Gundogan, all these players. Like it's, I think City will be, it'll be hard, hard to catch this year. I think, especially if they get Harry Kane, that's a, I think that'll be a, that'll a be a big one. But like from say Jack going from being a big fish in, I'm not calling Aston Villa a small, small pond, but a smaller team, being the big, big dog there, being the captain of the team in terms of maybe pressing and the pressing style that Manchester City have, everyone has to work as a unit as opposed to anybody in particular standing out. And you, Like, you know, their subs stand out. Riyad Mahrez comes on, scores an absolute belter and stuff. They all stand out, but they all have to work together as a massive cohesive unit, whereas Jack probably had a bit more freedom at Aston Villa. So would he be yeah. able to kind of fall into Pep's style quite easily? Uh, definitely, I think. Pep's style is, you kind of, their front three... Whatever, whatever they play, if they play, they're not even, even place, right? you just go where you want. You have that freedom, but at the same time, when you lose the ball, they're always in that position to press. They're always high up. It doesn't matter if the brain's up front or if he's on the wing. Everyone's in the right position to go and press the ball, and they all press up as a unit, which is which is massive. I think that's why they don't concede too many goals. Like, it's, cause against any team, it's like the Barcelona team back in 2008 to 2012. That team was just... Phenomenal, um, uh, unbelievable! Like and they took two Champions Leagues off Man United. I know how good they are. I know, <laughs> unfortunately. But look, there. I I just think he, he won't be phased by. He's just one of them that will just take it in the straight. Was Jackie a United fan? Well, he's a Villa fan, but he likes Manchester United. He likes United. I see a few tweets coming out there that recently, um, uh, kind of looking back at the history of things. And like footballers have to be careful. But I suppose allegiance. Like I heard Jordan Henderson was a United fan at one stage, and you know you have. Does that factor into like when you're signing with a club? No, no, no. That's like that's like you're allowed to support even your football. You're allowed to support other teams. Like you have you have your other favorite teams. Like just say, mine be United. After that, then like you went up, you played against United in Old Trafford in uh, FAU Cup games and stuff like that, and like did, did that phase you at all? No, no. It's for me. I just you're you're playing on a pitch. Like I know there was about twenty thousand at or something like that, but for me, you're just playing on a pitch. And look, the the atmosphere is good and all, but 
it's 11 players against 11 players that's yeah and that that's the way i see it like that is the villa team that you were in like was it was uh, a, a force to be reckoned with it, it was very good to be fair because remember at the time jack i know jack was very close to signing with united i think it was back in 2011 or 12 oh wow very very close um so i i know that was and the rug kind of got pulled out, out from in in terms of like that this is kind of the point that I wanted to get onto because you get onto Leo Messi's kind of thing, uh, where he was in Barcelona, he was all ready to sign, and then you know other factors and extenuated circumstances kind of made it impossible for Barcelona to do that. They have to reduce their wage cap now because they can't register the likes of Memphis Depay, Eric Garcia, and Sergio Aguero, of course. Um, but do, do these kind of factors all around football? Like we kind of get as a fan we get this tunnel vision of what football is. It's almost like a football manager style of thing where it's just easy, you go in, you have your, your conversations. But with the, the advent of agents, and we've seen how Riola's uh, influence over his clients, particularly Paul Pogba, can have such a, a massive, massive effect on player signing for this club or that club. Like, what, what did you have an agent yourself? What was that like, dealing with someone that would deal with the club on this, on this level? Yeah, well, like... The clubs hate agents. Yeah. Absolutely hate them. But like I my, my agent, if any deal say if I was going loan or there was a new it was meant to say a new deal, he'd all he would just do it. I won't even I won't even know. He'd just tell me then this is what they're offering. Yeah. I can say yes. Or he's like, Look, this is the best I can do. Yeah. All that kind of or I could just say, No, I want more or which look it didn't really that didn't really happen because I wasn't on the big contracts, but they just do it all for you, like to be fair, it's how, football, you, they want you just concentrating on football. Yeah. Anything outside, that's why you have, say, like the big lads, they'd have an agent and some of them have a manager. Mm. They'd have so many things going on, like, and they just, that's what they deal with because they want them to keep going, growing on the soccer pitch. And that, that directly influences, though, kind of where, where a player signs. And a lot of it does, like, it's, a lot of it's through an agent's money. Yeah. They're getting their fees, like, that's, and someone might have a connection in, in a club and. Like it might have to go through another avenue rather than go through the chairman. You might have to go through another avenue to talk because that chairman doesn't like. And a lot of things break down and contract talks and could be contract on the table and you could be on your way to sign and another club's ringing off you more money and then... Then you're, you're back on the, you're back on on the motorway. Happens many times that people probably don't even know. In terms of contracts then yourself, there's been a lot of rumours about you going back to the League of Ireland um, your last spell was with St. Pat's. You went back to Evergreen then. You've after winning some cups uh, with Evergreen recently, playing up against your cousin, my brother, Jamie, as well. So I might talk to you off air about what he was like <laughs> and how he can improve. Um, he gave away a penalty, I think. But um, I think so, against me, actually, against yeah. you as well. Yeah, I remember him cursing you after that game. <laughs> uh, your brother's playing with Castle Warren with us. We lost in a final. But uh, in terms of uh, pl- going back to playing. At, at a semi-professional or professional level, have there been offer for clubs while you've been while you stepped away? And it, like that has to be said, you stepped away from the game. This mm. was the second time you stepped away. Yeah, second time. To be fair, like from Pat's, um, look, I thought at Pat's, I thought I played re- reasonably well. I should have scored more goals. I know that, but look, that happens. I still my performances, my attitude, I thought was good. And then obviously, when the new manager comes in. Just doesn't work out. He just doesn't like it. To be fair, you've and had that with Paul Lambert before, Villa yeah, as well. Had that. He just wanted me gone from the club. I had a few personal things, and he like I told him just and and he kind of held that against me. And I was, I was just shit. I was gone. So yeah. So look, look, it happens. That's football. Don't hold grudges. You just wish him well and. You and, just move on. And is the, does that factor into, into the reason why you're stepping away, or would you be reluctant to return? Because has there been offers to come back? Yeah, there's been there's been offers, alright. It's been it's been close, but I think it's at the minute. Like, look, I have a good job now where I am at the minute. Yeah. Um, which is that's that's kind of where like I need to start looking into the into the future. With League of Ireland, look, you'll get a wage for forty two weeks, but then ten weeks, you have no money you have coming nothing, in. Yeah. So you're basically saving for the off season, in which it, there's no. Like, we, like we, there's no incentive to stay in it. Like the people say, like, like, oh, you move this, like, just said, like, sorry, Danny Mandrew going to Shamrock Rovers. Oh, he's a trailer. Yeah, you're getting more money. Yeah, like well, it's a no-brainer. Like in the League of Ireland, it's not about loyalty. It's about where the money is because the money's not great in League of Ireland. You want to go and make the most out of it while you can. Like we were talking to Connor English there. He stepped away from Wexford um, due to kind of the way uh, he he cited mental health reasons and stuff. But all these kind of things, the 
online getting called a traitor for joining. Like I know Sligo Rovers weren't particularly kind to you after after you left there recently. But all that stuff has to factor into it, and having all your performances scrutinised, and especially even in a GAA capacity. Like if someone has a bad game tomorrow, that's going to be all over online. It's going to be discussed on full time uh, tomorrow or on Monday. You know, it's it, there's so much pressure that's been put on these people and there's so many outside factors that that come into it that you have to look after yourself and then it's it's great to hear that you're you're settled with a a decent job and you can kind of look at that and go well that was a part of my life and you can still be involved in soccer as well but just not at the level where you're getting scrutinized for every single game yeah exactly that's what i mean it's like you always have people that are going to be on the other side like it's they're entitled to their opinion that's People might praise you and you might not, not think you did well. Oh, you score a goal. But like people will always remember the goals you score but don't remember your performances. Yeah. So like like I could have been terrible in the game. Absolutely not. And I trump up at with a ninety minute winner. Great you're, greatest game of your you're, life. You're the hero, like against against when I left Sligo to go to Pats. Uh it's second game of the season, I barely touched the ball, scoring the last scoring the last minute I was a hero, even though my performance was terrible. Yeah. I still scored last minute winner and he was a hero like no one and then everyone's like oh you're brilliant all that uh. but then if I played brilliant and I missed that header at the end I'd be getting slated yeah 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 so there's all two ways out, but you can't let it affect you like I've I've I'm old enough more mature enough to how to deal with when I was younger I didn't I used to get called everything uh, remember I signed with Portsmouth on loan and they were just saying, look, this is a fat lad and all this stuff. And, <laughs> like, and you were was, young then at the time as well, yeah. dealing with that. That's what I mean. Like, I didn't... I know it was probably a bit overweight in that book because I, I was only back from from being out for about 10 months. But, but like, you get caught all that and all you can do is just go... You just go play your own football. Like, you just go and... And to be fair, that did probably Most put me down at the time because I was only, what, 20... I think it was only 20, I think. Mm. At the time, maybe even 19... Just after 19... Yeah, 19 or 20 anyway, but... Or, at the time, but now you just learn like from going seeing people like and different kind of counselors or psychologists and all that stuff of how to deal with it and how to put things back and like someone calling you the f words yeah. online that's out of your control nothing you can do about that like why why should that affect you like yeah i had to learn that from posting videos online and stuff i was getting i was getting slated i was like these people don't really know me uh but speaking of uh, because it's really interesting hearing the inner workings of of a professional standard of football there's uh and being and staying involved in football as well there could be something coming up on the cards here at kclr we have a gea podcast we have a rugby podcast we have a somewhat soccer podcast but it's about playing football manager but we're looking into getting a soccer podcast looking at speaking with you about being the host of it and uh, some great guests lined up yeah well that's what i'm hoping i know um you got onto me there about a month ago to would i be interested in it's it's something that kind of excites me that i'd be on the other end kind of asking the questions and talking to say former players or players that i've know like it'd be great to to be on that side and i'm excited about it and hopefully i can get some exciting guests and have a few lined up but it's a matter of them saying yes so yeah <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it mikey hopefully we'll have some great news over the next two or three weeks anyway in regards to that but mikey it's always a pleasure coming in i'm delighted that you're doing well uh with your new job uh, maybe we can have a chat off air get you signed with castle warren this season you know evergreen you've done all you can there now it's time for a new challenge possibly <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> And finally, Eddie Scally, the presenter of Full Time here at KCLR and The Clash Act, talking about ticket allocations within the GAA. Like a good few people have been on to me um, this week um, like from the different clubs as well. And it's, it's, it's not, you know, sometimes it can happen that a club can be unlucky and get tickets, but it's a wide variety of clubs have been in contact with me. Different player, uh, players and coaches from clubs have rang me and said, look, you know, do I even, do I know what way the ticket allocation is working or, or why it's going that way now? And in fairness, you know, as I explained to them, you know, I wouldn't have any knowledge of how it has to work. But now I did look into it a small bit. But you know, I suppose you'd be talking to somebody from Kenny GA later today, and, and maybe to clarify it. But my understanding of it is, you know, previous to, to COVID and back in the old days, three or four years ago, when 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 Kenny would have got to an All Ireland semi final or an All Ireland final. The teams involved in the, in the game, so the semi-finalists tomorrow, Cork and Kilkenny, would get an equal allocation of tickets for the match. And if there was a minor match beforehand, they would get a smaller allocation for the two minor teams as such. Um, and then tickets then would be sent to the county boards of each 
county. So Cork's county board would get them and Kilkenny's county board would get their tickets. And then the clubs within those counties apply to the county board for their tickets. So, for argument's sake, Blacks and Whites and Ballahale, Shamrocks, Mullinavat would apply for 100 tickets or 120 tickets and juvenile tickets and whatnot. And then the lads inside in, in Kilkenny GEA, they would then put together the package of tickets for each club and try and meet everyone's allocation, which, you know, for an All-Ireland final or something, wouldn't always be the case to be able to do that. And the tickets would then be sent to the clubs and the clubs would, would then hand them out to the, the patrons of their clubs that have looked for the tickets. But unfortunately, the GEA have now gone the route of doing everything via Ticketmaster, the GEA section of Ticketmaster. And when the club applies to the tickets, you still apply to the county board to let them know you want your 50 tickets or your 100 tickets. But then you have to give the email address and name of each person that wants tickets. And that's then sent to Ticketmaster, who then sends you a link. You click your link and you get your tickets. But unfortunately, there's no human interaction in these situations. So if you take a club like blacks and whites, they might have an elderly member of the club and he's looking to get tickets for the match. There's no, you know, there's no way you could look at it and say the chairman of the club would look and say, right, we'll give Shane tickets for the lower Cusick stand because he wouldn't be able to navigate his way to the higher ends of the, the, the Davin end or the, or the Cusick stand or the, or the Hogan stand. So you'd, you'd kind of manage it that way. So that's been one of the, the issues that's happened. But the other thing that seems to have arisen from it as well is the allocations that were given to Cork and Kilkenny uh, clubs seems to have been for poorer sections of the stadium. Um, it wasn't the, the usual seats. Only two minutes ago, I got a text message off another one of my f- people just texted me. He'd, he'd obviously said I was coming on, and he said, I'll be looking over a cornerback shoulder for the one match to see the game. So, you know, they've put them behind the goals, things like that. But then, like one guy that rang me this morning had purchased two tickets through his the club way of doing it and then getting it through Ticketmaster. But his two tickets were for directly behind the goal in the Davin stand. And he said, you know, there was no way he was going to travel up to Crow Park and sit there. So he went on to Ticketmaster then. He queued for, I think, something in the lines of an hour and a half or two hours in a Ticketmaster queue. And he bought two tickets on Ticketmaster. And he was delighted, but at the same time horrified. He got two tickets for the middle of the Cusick stand to watch the match. So it would seem that Ticketmaster had held the best seats for the people buying directly through Ticketmaster. So the whole thing seems a little bit of... A mess, no blame to Cork GEA or Kilkenny GEA, but my fear would be if it's not highlighted, and I think this is what everyone's fear is, if it's not highlighted, what will happen when the allocation is done for the 40,000 for an All-Ireland final? Are they going to see that they, they think it will be acceptable to put them into these different corners of the, the stadium? So it's, you know, the, the, it'll be said it's this is down to COVID and contact tracing and all that, and I'm sure everything is and it's been done right, but I think to put the best seats in Crow Park on general sale as opposed to giving them to the clubs to allocate to their club members and members of the GEA, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, do you think that the sentiments... Like, I've seen a lot of uh, anger online in regards to this issue as well. So do you think that, you know, if you kick up enough of a fuss on, on it, it will change? Or do you think that it's just going to remain the same as it is? No, I think if it's if it's highlighted enough and if people, you know, make make, make enough noise about the situation... You know, the powers that be in the GEA can obviously then talk to Ticketmaster and say, look, we need to have a look at this. Or, you know, I know it's not simple, but revert back to the, the older system where the clubs would get the allocations directly to them from Kilkenny GEA and then issue the tickets through the clubs to the, the patrons of the clubs. Like Kilkenny GEA, and I can only speak of Kilkenny GEA, and I have similar experiences with Wexford GEA and Westmead GEA. They've, they've always made sure that they're the frequent flyers, the customers that are coming all the time, they've made sure that they're looked after, that they get good seats, you know, because, you know, it's a big day, and if you're an elderly person, the last thing you need to be is on the, the top of the Davin stand, behind the goal, a mile away from the pitch. It's very hard. Like, for someone like me, I've no problem. I sit anywhere in, in Crow Park, but it's not the same for everyone. And the other one as well that has been raised a bit is, is what we're calling the juvenile ticket lottery, you know, and... Um, families that go to the games like I went to the game the last day with myself and Breed and the three kids went up to the match and I didn't realise there was juvenile tickets so I just bought five adult tickets but I found out afterwards there was a number of juvenile tickets but there's such a small amount of juvenile tickets being allocated it means that you know the parents have been quite stretched to bring their kids to the games but I can understand this the reason that there would be only a small amount of juvenile tickets with such a small allocation allowed into the stadium 24,000 but I would have thought in bubbles and stuff like that that we should be able to try and accommodate the, 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 the younger people coming with their parents. I mean, you know, we can't forget what it's all about as well, like the old Mullinoyga, this Chucky Cheech, you know, you bring on the youth and, 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 and there they will come. And I think it's important that we try and remember that in these things as well. 
Well, it's a very fascinating point. A few messages coming in saying that they completely agree with yourself. A few people may be wrongly blaming uh, the uh, county board or something like that, but this is a directive that you're saying is coming from the GEA, really, at the, at the top. Uh, yeah, no, no. Like, like I'm, I can't be 100% honest unless somebody you know, confirms it. But my understanding, and I know by the way the tickets are being done, like from purchasing tickets myself, you are purchasing your tickets directly through Ticketmaster, whereas previously you would have got your tickets, the club would have gave out your tickets to you on a Thursday night, and if you weren't lucky enough to get a ticket on a Thursday night, you went into Nolan Park and joined the queue, and you'd see it. You look at your Facebooks, and, and Robbie will tell you this as well, if you look at Facebook and Twitter leading up to all our finals, you'll see clubs saying, small number of Hill 16 tickets are left, or a small number of, you know, Davinstan tickets left, and that's because, if if you take Young Ireland here in Goran or, or, or Blacks and Whites, if they got an allocation of 80 tickets, they might get 30 for the Hogan stand, 20 for the Cusick stand, and the remainder be for Hill 16. And the younger lads that are going to the match and going to have the bit of crack, they'll go up on Hill 16, and then they'll make sure a club won't give a 22-year-old a ticket for the Cusick stand and hand a 79-year-old a ticket for Hill 16, whereas an automated system through Ticketmaster, is they're not going to know that Shane O'Keefe is, 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 is 75 years of age and he's travelling up to go park and he needs Shh, Don't tell him my age. No, but you, but you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? And I, and I think, unfortunately, in these scenarios as well, everyone is very quick to jump down the neck of our local clubs and also our, our county board. And I can actually guarantee you, if you speak to somebody from the county board later today, they have absolutely no hand, act or part in this. This has been done through central office, through Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster are telling them this is the way we do it. You buy them online, and everyone's doing it that way. And unfortunately, if it's if it's the way it's going to be for the future, why not try and get it right? Like, there's no problem if that's the way they want to do it. But they need to have some form of system where they can communicate with clubs, and we can make sure that people are being looked after. Because that's what everybody in Kilkenny, I guarantee, every single person in Kilkenny GES County Board wants their supporters up in Crow Park on, on tomorrow, and wants them up in Crow Park enjoying themselves. They don't want to be listening to people upset about tickets and where they're sitting and whatnot. <laughs> That's our lot here at Scoreline Extra. Be sure to tune into the show live 2 to 6 every Saturday and Sunday. Until then, stay safe, stay sane.